Good morning, good morning, good morning. How are you, my friend? How are you, my friend? Welcome. This is the Breakfast with Champions podcast, one of the most unique, amazing, and powerful podcasts you'll ever come across in your entire life. Listen, we bring you motivation, education, and inspiration, and ultimately give you an opportunity to get a seat at the table, to hang out with some of those that are doing the things you know you can do, that have reached some of those levels you know you can reach. What makes this podcast so unique and incredible is we have over a hundred different thought leaders that are constantly delivering amazing, over-the-top, powerful, and impactful content in bite-sized nuggets that you can absorb, take action on, and implement in your life. So with that said, make sure you filter through. There's going to be some of these thought leaders, these experts in their industries that you're ultimately gonna connect with. You're gonna totally, totally resonate. It's gonna totally be your vibe. And then there's gonna be other ones that you're gonna be like, eh, you know what? I like them, but I don't know if I love them. And that's what's great about Breakfast with Champions is we have something for everyone. So make sure you sift through, find the ones that you love, and know that they'll be coming back every single week to be able to deliver to you the motivation and education and inspiration that you need. With that said, my name is Glenn Lundy. I am your host. Super excited to connect with you. And let's kick off today's episode of Breakfast with Champions. And we are just so grateful to have you here today. Now, I'm going to ask for a little bit of grace. On Tuesday, I had braces, uh, which I've, I'm now having for the second time. So my mouth is a little bit sore. Uh, so I might talk just a little bit slow or stumble on my words. So just give me a little bit of grace here. Um, yet today, I absolutely love speaking on this day, Business and Finance Friday. Business is something that is extremely important to me. A little bit about my background, I spent the last six and a half years playing a leading hand in building an organization, uh, a real estate, residential real estate team from two people to 20 people in 8 million to over 100 million uh, in volume. And uh, I want you to know that what I'm about to talk to you next is uh something that I am extremely passionate about and I've lived it. Um, so I would ask you to open up your minds and think about this because I remember the first time that I wrote or that I read this book um, that I'm about to share with you all. Um, it was for me, it wasn't I was just inspired and it was the stuff that he was speaking about, like it was just invigorating. And this is a world, a business world, just a, a world in general that I wanted to be in. And while I see since this book was written, that a lot of people are adopting this mindset, there's still a lot of people that live in an old business world. And so what I'm talking about is a book by the name of Simon Sinek, I mean, uh, by an author named Simon Sinek. And if you're not aware of Simon Sinek, he is described most often as a thought leader with rare intellect. And if you follow him, if you choose to go uh, investigate what it is that he does after on this segment, I think you will find that uh, that rare intellect is underestimated. He not only studies business um, and studies business building, he studies the people in it, he studies the leaders, and he also studies why people do what they do. What is it in us as the human species, both chemical imbalances and balances that cause us to do what we do every single day? And so Simon has been the author of a few books. He wrote a book called Start With Why. 
He wrote another book called Leaders Eat Last. And his third and my favorite is Finite and Infinite Games, or sorry, The Infinite Game. And it's about finite and infinite games. So that's what we're going to talk about today. So first and foremost, this concept started with a man named James Carsey's. And James Carsey's was a theologian, and he wrote a book called Finite and Infinite Games. And so he believed that in business, there are two types of games. The first one is finite. And by definition, a finite game has known players, known rules, and it has a beginning and it has an end. They're all agreed upon. For example, football. Football has a beginning. It has an end. We know how many players there are. We know what the rules are, and we all agree on it. The second type of game is an infinite game. Now, in an infinite game, you can have known and unknown rules. You can have known and unknown players. And the entire goal of the game is to perpetuate the game. It's to keep it going, to stay in the game. And so this concept or this theory um, is extremely interesting because we live in a world where business owners, they play or they are playing an infinite game because business is not finite. What rules, who has agreed on them, and what time frame? It's ever-changing. And yet the mindset of a lot of business owners is that of a finite game. So that's what we're gonna talk about today. And in the book, Simon absolutely explains that there are five steps in order to achieve really a successful business that is playing the infinite game. Now, let me give you an example of what this looks like. And this is actually an example that Simon gives. He, uh, he was invited to speak at two different conferences. One of them was for Microsoft and one of them was for Apple. And he explains that at the Microsoft conference, somewhere between 75 and 80% of the executives that were speaking spent about 75 to 80% of their time talking about the competition, talking about how they beat Apple. And then he goes on to explain, when I went to the Apple conference, 100% of the executives talked 100% of the time about two things how to help teachers teach, and how to help students learn. He said, and the difference in the two is that one was focused directly on their competition and how to beat them, and the other one was focused 100% on where they were going and that infinite game. And he goes on to explain, and he's got a few TED Talks I know that are online um, that you can watch. He goes on to explain that after he finished the Apple conference, he was in an Uber with one of the executives. And when he had left the Microsoft conference, they had given him at the time uh, their Zune. And the Zune product at that time was their solution for, I believe, like the Apple um, um, iPod, the iPod Touch. And so now fast forward, he's, he's finished the Apple conference and he's sitting in a car with an executive from Apple. And he's like, I just absolutely had to stir the pot. So I said to the executive, you know, after I finished speaking at the Microsoft conference, they gave me their new Zoom. And let me tell you, this device is absolutely amazing. It's so much better than the iPad Touch. And the executive from Apple looked right at him and said, you know what, Simon, I have no doubt. 
And the reason that I highlight this particular story that Simon explains is because he said that was the difference between somebody who had the mindset of an infinite game and somebody who had the mindset of a finite game. You see, because that Apple executive, he understood that there are going to be times when we are behind and there are going to be times when we're ahead. And at the end of the day, the only thing that we are focused on every single day is beating ourselves. How do we make our customer service better than it was last year? How do we make our products easier and friendlier to use for our end consumer? Our products better this year than they were last year? How do we make our environment and our organization so that the people that work within our organization can be creative? They can be thought leaders of their own, right? They can feel safe. They can feel like they have a place that they want to come to every single day. How do we do that better last year than we did this year? Because you see, Apple realizes that their only competition is themselves. And he was completely taken aback by this. So I would like to talk to you today about the five steps that Simon highlights in this book to get you to a point where you not only have a successful business, it's a business that is operating in a fashion where they understand that they are competing in an infinite game. And the goal is to perpetuate the business so that the business lives on longer than any one person in the organization. So step number one, Simon explains, is any organization or any business that is playing the infinite game has to have a just cause. Now, some people might also call this a vision. And he'll even explain that he doesn't care for the word vision too much because sometimes when people think about vision and they explain a vision in an organization, it's not, it's not the same as a just cause. With a just cause, it is a cause in an organization that is so just that anyone in the organization would be willing to sacrifice themselves and their interest for that cause. Now, when I say sacrifice themselves, I don't mean death. And yet, if for some reason any one person in that organization got a job offer that paid more money, or maybe had less responsibilities, or maybe had some type of sweeter deal, they would give it up without a blink of an eye because they believe so much in the cause, the just cause, that the organization that they are currently in has. That's the type of people that you want in an organization. That's the type of cause that you want. So just that any one of those people would be willing to sacrifice their interest for the cause. Now, the thing about a just cause is that we know it's something so great that we never actually achieve it. We're constantly working towards that. A great example of that would be Mike, uh, Martin Luther King. What did he say? He said, I have a dream that one day little black boys and girls and little white boys and girls will walk the streets and play in playgrounds and they will hold hands. And while we're constantly working towards that, we're not in a world where that's exactly what happens every moment of every day. 
It's a vision. And there are finite goals within that infinite just cause. And yet it's something that we're constantly working towards. And while we'll be able to celebrate little wins along the way, we know that it's something that we are constantly moving in the right direction towards. We will sacrifice our interests and everything in our being in order to get to that point. Yet when do we reach it? Do we ever reach it? And usually the answer is no. It's just constantly something that we're working towards. And we can celebrate the, sl the small wins along the way. Now, a just cause has absolutely nothing to do with the products that we make or the services that we sell. It's about an idea. It's about a, a cause and a vision so great. Not the products that we sell and not the services or not the products that we develop and not the services that we sell. Now that is the starting point. You win a client, right? You sell something, you win it, you win the client as the customer, then that's where the magic begins. Yet that is not what the just cause is. It's the foundation and yet it's not the cause where we're going. Point number two, you have to have trusting teams. Now, with trusting teams, these teams are made up of people who can be themselves. They're not fearful of making any mistakes. They absolutely understand that they are in an environment where people, they themselves, can be their natural selves and their best for that matter. You know, you hear a lot of times where business owners will say things like, well, I have an open door policy. And I truly believe they think that they do. And yet, is anyone ever walking through your door? Because just to say that you have an open door policy where people can come and talk to you about maybe what's happening in their world at home, or having an open door policy where if they have issues at work or opinions at work, they have something that's holding them back or they have something to celebrate, they can walk through that door and share it with you. To say that is one thing, and yet to exemplify that, to create an environment where people can actually feel like they can do that is another. So just saying it is not the same thing. And if you are any business owner that has any type of organization, I would ask myself, do people walk through my door? And when they do, what do they share? Do they feel like they can share their ideas and their thoughts? Do they know that if something is happening at home that we are going to support them and do everything in our power to do whatever we can to help them through it and know that they're not going to lose their job uh, because of it? Or is it just something that we constantly say? Do we only have people walking into our office to explain why something happened because they have fear of losing their job? Or they have fear that somebody's going to come up behind them and say they did something when they really didn't? Do they feel like they have to defend themselves? Or do they feel like they can truly come in and talk to you about whatever is happening in their world? Do they share ideas? Or do they feel like they need to hoard those ideas? Because if they share those ideas in your office, they might be stolen from them. They might actually not get credit for the ideas that they brought to you. I would do that audit in my organization and find that out because saying you have an open door policy and really people don't feel like they can walk through the door would be a problem in this case. That's not how you develop trusting teams. 
you know, Simon also explains that anytime he has, for the most part, anytime that he has interviewed a a CEO or someone's brought him in to help them with a to have him help them with a company, you know, they ask questions like, "How do I get the most out of my people?" And Simon's response is like, "What are they towels? Are we just going to wring them out, get the most out of them? People are not towels." Instead of asking, how do I get the most out of my people? How about asking, how do I get my people to be their very natural best? What type of environment do I have to create? Who do I need to become as a leader in order to create that space for them? He also tells a story about a hotel that he was staying in. I believe it was the Four Seasons. And he said, if you've ever walked into the Four Seasons, here's what I can tell you that hotel is just amazing. He said, and it's not because of the beds. Anybody could buy a bed, right? He says, the reason it's amazing is because from the time that you walk in and the concierge to the time that you're up to your room and the time that you come down to coffee and the time that you need to get your car, everybody is just so happy. They're just so happy. They greet you and you feel like it's not their job to greet you. They genuinely want to greet you. He says, so one day I came down for coffee and there was a Starbucks in this Four Seasons and I ordered my coffee and he said, because naturally I am who I am, I asked the gentleman behind the counter whose name was Noah, Noah, do you like your job? And he said, I love my job. And Simon's response was, well, now I have to ask, what do you love about it? And he said, his response was so spot on. He said, you know, it doesn't matter what time of day it is. It doesn't matter who it is. It's not just my manager. It's all managers. When they walk by, they walk by and genuinely ask, how am I doing? Do I have everything that I need to do my job? How can they support me? And they know things about me. And it's anyone in the organization from top, top leadership all the way down to just the manager that's right above me. He's like, and I know they care. He also explained that while he works at the Four Seasons sometimes, he also worked at uh, another hotel that was right down the road. And the name of it right now is escaping me. And he said, in that place, I don't love my job. He says, I know managers are only coming around the corner because I did something wrong or to point out something that I I didn't do exactly right. They don't ask. They don't support. And so Simon's point in telling that story was, this is the same person, two different environments, and yet he has two different opinions about them. So a lot of the times you'll hear business owners or managers or leaders, quote unquote, or supervisors say, it's the people. They don't get it. I don't have the right people in the organization. And really, how do you take the same person in two different environments and they have two completely different experiences? Maybe it's not the people. Maybe it's the environment. So trusting teams was number two. Point number three is a worthy rival. Now, a lot of people, when I say the word worthy rival, are going to think competition. And let me assure you, they are completely different. When we're thinking about competition and we have our eye on competition, it's completely distracted. And that is the mindset of a finite game. A worthy rival is someone or something worthy of comparison that pushes you to be better. I'll give you another Simon Sinek story. He says, there's a man who does exactly what I do. 
He writes books. He get, he does the same type of work that I do. He gives speeches. He's interviewed. And every single time I hear his name, I hate him. I hate him. He said, and it's completely irrational. I just hate him. And every time he re um, releases a book, I'll go online and I'll check his book stats. And then I go online and I check my book stats. I don't check anyone else's. I just check his and I just check mine. And he says, I was asked to speak at this event and so was he. And I don't mean like we were asked to speak at the same event. I mean, we were asked to speak at this event at the same time on stage together. We were going to be interviewed. He said, and the interviewer thought it would be fun if we introduced each other. And he says, so I went first. And I looked over at him and I said, you know, you make me insecure. Anytime I hear your name, I get frustrated. And the reason being is because all of your strengths are all of my weaknesses. I have this irrational hate for you. And it's because it points out all the things that I don't do right. And he says, this person looked right back at him and said, funny, Simon, I feel the exact same about you. And so in that, Simon's realization was that I was focused on the wrong thing. You see, I was so focused on he was my competition. I was so focused on my hate for him. I didn't, I wanted to beat him. That's all I was focused on. And instead, what I needed to be doing is going internal, asking myself, what is it about him that just puts me in a rage? What is it about him that I don't like? Why, when I hear his name, do I cringe? And when he did that, he found out that it was because everything that he was good at, Simon wasn't. So a worthy, a worthy rival is somebody that, like I said, is completely worthy of comparison only because it pushes you to be a better individual. Point number four, the capacity for existential flexibility. Now, what does this mean? And I'll give you an example. CVS, the pharmacy company, is a company that I believe their vision is something along the lines of we want our doctors and our customers uh, we want to create an environment or we want to support in the health of our, our doctors and our, our customers and anyone who's affiliated with CVS. And yet, CVS sold cigarettes. So when they went into a conversation about how they were going or how they were doing and working towards their mission, working towards their just cause, somebody brought to, to their attention. Well, we understand that you want, you know, you want to help the doctors that you're in business with and you want to help the consumers that you're in business with and you want to support their health. And yet, don't you sell cigarettes? And when they walked out of that meeting, the executives were like, they're absolutely right. So we're going to take the cigarettes off the shelf. And people thought they were crazy for doing that. They're like, do you realize the amount of revenue that you are absolutely positively going to lose by not selling those products anymore? And they said, we completely understand. And yet if our just cause, if our mission, if our vision is to create an environment or work towards a world where we are supporting their help, and that's of the doctors and the people that we are affiliated with and the customers, 
then how could we not do that? And people laughed at them. They said they were going to completely tank. And yet they had a cause so just that they were willing to potentially blow up their own business for that cause. And guess what happened? They took the cigarettes off the shelf and their sales went up. Why? Because people were so unbelievably inspired by the fact that they would do something that was so bold and so courageous, even though everyone was telling them they were crazy, to follow, to support that just cause. So existential flexibility, by definition, that's being willing to do something that is so drastic in order to change the projection of the business. Because here's the deal. If you're not willing to do it, the market will. Somebody else will. So, so step four, capacity for existential flexibility. And while very many companies may not need to face something like that. You know, I, I told a story uh, Thursday when I was uh, modding the room with Justin Conico. We talked about a CEO and his company. He owned a, C, uh, he owned a uh, uh, warehouse and uh, manufacturing company. And in the 2008 crash, their sales went down. I, or I'm sorry, their, uh, their pipeline dried up and they lost 30% of their book. And so naturally, when they walked into a, uh, a meeting with a bunch of the executives or in, uh, in the CEO, they said, well, we're just going to have to do mass layoffs. We can't afford this. And Bob, who, is the, uh, who was the, the owner and CEO at the time, he said, absolutely not. I'm not doing that. I'm not going to do that. Better everybody suffer a little bit than any one person suffer a lot. We're not laying people off. Now, that choice in itself could have completely blown up his company. He, they could have gone bankrupt. Instead, what he decided to do with some of his leaders was to implement a furlough program. And this furlough program, it was mandatory that everybody take four weeks unpaid vacation. It didn't matter where you took them when you took them and you didn't have to do it consistently. And so they implemented the furlough program. And what happened? Morale went up. There were people in the organization who could afford to take five weeks. So they would take an additional week. So those that couldn't afford it only had to take three. And guess what? Say morale went up. So naturally sales went up and the business 100% just skyrocketed. So making a decision that while all other outside sources are telling you, no, absolutely not. It could potentially blow up your company. You could potentially go bankrupt. He had a cause so just that he absolutely decided better we blow it up. Better we make the decision than anybody else. Existential flexibility. Point number five, and in my opinion, it is absolutely positively the most important. This is the bow on top of it all. And that is the courage to lead. Now, make no mistake, this is unbelievably difficult. And I'm just going to pause there for a moment and I want that to set in. It is unbelievably difficult to lead. Lead an organization that has a safe space 
trusting teams, capacity for existential flexibility, a company that has a just cause that is so just anyone in that organization will sacrifice their interest and themselves for it. Hardest thing you will ever do, especially because there's so much pressure there's so much pressure from outside forces for you to focus on a finite game. Get to the production goals, get to the unit goals, get to the sales goals. And while we discussed early on in this, there are finite games within the infinite game. It's so easy to focus on that, those things. We just need to get to next quarter. quarter. What are our, our next quarter projections and how do we meet that mark? Who's going to win that? Who's going to do that? And while there are finite games within the infinite game, you can't get hung up on those. So it is unbelievably hard to get the pressures of focusing on a finite game in an infinite arena. In addition to that, keeping that just cause at the forefront of everything you do, guiding your daily decisions, because it's so much easier to make the finite decisions. And sometimes at the expense of integrity, sometimes at the expense of other people, sometimes at the expense of the mission or the vision or the just cause. It's a whole lot of pressure. Understanding that being a true leader in a business that is playing the infinite game means that you are not responsible for the results. You're responsible for the people who are responsible for the results. And so often you hear people who say, well, it, it all falls on my shoulder. Uh, any, any of those results are my responsibility. And while there may be truth to that, that is not what you can focus on. You are responsible for the people. You are responsible for empowering those people to do what they need to do. You know, how often do you hear that a quote unquote leader or supervisor or manager, when something happens with an employee in an organization, you know, they want to go down and swoop in and fix it. And naturally so, right? They do do the job better than that person. That's what got them promoted in the first place. And yet that's not leading. It's understanding that you are responsible for the people. Leadership is not being in charge. It's taking care of those in your charge. So what are you doing to support those people? The people underneath you, the people to your left, and the people to your right. How are you instilling in them the trust that they can do their job, not fear for their job? instilling in them the inspiration, instilling in them the courage that they can develop ideas within the organization. And we want to hear about them because we're not going to hide those under our desk and take credit for them. We know that any great leader is 100% responsible for everything. They are 100% accountable and they take accountability for anything and everything. And yet, when things go right, the credit is given to the people in the organization. And when things go wrong, it is 100% on their shoulders. Sacrificing for your people. You know, I mentioned that Simon uh, wrote another book called Leaders Eat Last. 
And that book, the premise of that book is why do leaders, and Lisa's leaders all over the world, leaders in the military, leaders of organizations, leaders of households, leaders of states and governments, why do they, like the, the most courageous, why are they willing to stand up at the front line and sacrifice everything? And all of their responses were the same because I know that those people would do the same for me. So are you that type of leader in your organization? Do they know that you will go to bat for them if something happens? Or do they think that you will throw them under the bus the second you get the opportunity? Courage to lead. Understanding that we're not working towards just one finish line. Even though that's what a lot of us focus on. It's that we need to be focused on keeping the game going. True leadership is understanding that leaders prepare the organization for future leaders. And here's the deal. If that's what you're focused on, you know that you can't take any of it with you when you die. You're preparing for the next leader so that the organization goes on and runs better because of the things that you did. And you know what, when anyone in the organization is there long after you're gone, when they're asked the question, how did you get so great? How did the organization get so great? They'll say it was because of you and your leadership and your efforts. Courage to lead. Understanding that sometimes we are going to be behind. Sometimes we're going to be ahead. And yet it's all relevant So my friends, I've been talking for 34 minutes now, and I'm sure there's a lot of information that you all are processing, yet I would love some, participa some participation the second half. I would love to hear from anyone who this content resonated with. I would love to hear some live examples of organizations that you feel like have the mindset of an infinite game that are great. And I would love to hear from those of you who may have some opportunity in your organization. So would anyone love to share, give feedback, participate, just open up your mic, introduce who you are. I would love to hear from you. Can anybody hear me? I can hear. I can hear you. I can hear you. Okay, great. So does anybody have any feedback whatsoever on the last 30 minutes? I would love some shares. Okay, my friends, then we have to figure out what we want to talk about for the next 30 minutes. Flash your mics if you're with me on stage. Perfect. Amanda, I just opened up. I just uh, brought a couple of people up as well. Oh, thank you so much, my friend, TM. I appreciate you. Anyone who just came up to stage would love to hear from you. Just open your mic and introduce yourself. Hello. Hello. <laughs> Hi. Hi, everyone. Hello. Hi, my name is Ama. 
I'm, I'm quite far from you, but thanks to technology, it's, it's not, distance is not a barrier. I'm all the way in Ghana, in West Africa. Um, I just joined the group, so I don't really have much to say. I'll just be quiet and then um, follow and then appreciate what's going on. So thanks so much, and thanks for the opportunity to speak. I'm done. Thanks. You're so welcome. Thank you for joining. Um, uh, uh, Verlene, is that, did I say that correctly? You said it correctly, and seldom people do. Thank you so much. I apologize. I did not get your name uh, from the beginning, um, but I've listened to you attentively for the last half hour. You did two things for me. I've been a minister for 35 years, led a women's organization for 33 years. And while you were talking, I was asking myself the same questions that you were asking as you were reviewing the book and telling the story and everything, and just taking an inventory of myself. To, as a minister, as a leader, I lead leaders, but I was taking close inventory because if I do another 30 years, and I'm 67, I hope I do at least half of that, I don't want to be the same kind of leader that I was. And so you, the second thing you did for me is how calmly, and it's, and it's amazing, I love the people with energy, but how calmly you taught, you express, you, you, you helped us to think uh, as you were talking. And it blessed me because one of the challenges I've had in coming, you know, raising my hand to come to the room is, woo, I may not be able to bring that excitement. <laughs> but so that that was just a personal note. I can I can come in here and speak in the peaceful voice that I normally do, like you do, and uh, and get the message across. Two things you did for me. Challenged me to be a better leader and you're sharing and the content of what you shared. And I know you were sharing from another author and, and some of your experiences. And the second thing is to honor my voice and know that I can be just as impactful. Thank you so much. And I'm done speaking. Oh, Verlene, thank you so much. That's amazing. It's so, it's actually the irony in that is if you know me, usually I'm a I'm a loud, hot mess, um, and I would mentioned that I got some braces put on this week, so it's just been difficult to talk for me, so I was like, we're just going to take a slower approach today, um, so I appreciate that, and I'm so glad it resonated with you, and yes, it did. you know, so maybe today was just for me, so I can get over myself. <laughs> I, b I believe it. I totally thank believe you, it. Thank you, Amanda. I see you flashing now. Now I know who you are. Thank you. Thank you, you so much. I appreciate mm -hmm. you. Uh, I appreciate being in and sharing that. Anybody else? On mic, introduce yourself. Tell me what it is you want to tell me. Hi, Amanda. Yes, this is Lorenzo. Can you hear me? Hey, Lorenzo. I heard, I believe it's Larston first, and then we'll go to you, Lorenzo, if that's okay. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. So... My name is Larson. I'm from Jamaica. I run the national, the children's ministry here in Jamaica for um, the New Testament. And I literally just came in like and caught the last 10 minutes of what you were saying. And that resonated with me because currently I lead a team of 10 and I'm in the process of ensuring that whoever comes after me has a solid foundation to continue on as their lead. 
so when you said that that you know affirmed something in me so i just want to say thank you thank you so much for sharing larston i appreciate that and and let me say this you know you don't have to set out to do that if you are someone that is not interested in the infinite game that is fine you are this room constantly is filled with entrepreneurs it is filled with business owners and if that is not what you want if you just want to have a really great business while you have it make some really great money sell some pro there is absolutely nothing wrong with that you just have to understand what game you are playing in if the goal is to have something that absolutely survives you and goes on to be great you also need to understand that as well so as i said thursday and i say a lot when i speak you have a choice it's whatever choice you want to make just don't get twisted about what game you're playing and what rules you're playing by because when you pin an infinite player against an infinite player it works when you pin a finite player against a finite player, it works. We get it. But when you are somebody who is playing by finite rules in an infinite game, it does not work. So I appreciate that, Larston. We'll go to Lorenzo. Hi, Lorenzo. How are you? Uh, good. And you? I'm wonderful. Thank you. So glad to have you. No, I just want to say thanks for um, giving us a different um, perspective perspective of leadership and stuff um, I'm a big reader of the John C Maxwell and I never really thought about listening to Simon I've heard him on YouTube and stuff but I never really gave him any thought and now this gives me something else to think about possibly read on and um, basically give me a um, a bigger picture of maybe a different type of game to play i guess so i just want to say thank you no thank you so much for tuning in today because my mind was blown i remember the i wrote i read his book start with why that was his first book start with why then it was leaders eat last and then it was this infinite game one and i remember when i read start with why like he had one of the i think it was like one of the top 10 most watched ted talks um and then like in 2017 he literally like broke the internet because um, his TED, he had another TED talk that was Googled like crazy. And I, when I first, like I was reading his books and then I would listen to him speak and I was like, what is this guy really about? Like, I like his message and yet I don't sure I follow it a hundred percent of the time. And then more recently, I heard him described as a thought leader with like rare intellect. And I'm telling you the way that he thinks like his vision or his just cause, I should say, is to literally live in a world where people wake up every single day and they are passionate and love what they do and they're creating environments for people for the business to really outlast them and creating a space for people to be their natural best and when i finally found out what his just cause or his vision was i was like i get that and do you know how unbelievably hard that is to create a world where everybody gets up and they are extremely passionate about what it is that they do and the leaders are creating spaces for people to be their natural best and so i've just absolutely fallen in love with him and his work if anyone knows simon sinek hey hook your sister up here because i would love to meet him he's amazing um so i hope he impacts you the way that he impacted me so thank you so much lorenzo anybody else on stage on mic introduce yourself i'd love to hear from you
I think hey, we had a lot. Go ahead. Yeah. Hey, hey, Amanda, TM, I'll just say great, great information, right? And always great perspective that you bring. Um, and as everyone stated, I mean, anything on leadership, I'm tuned in. And Simon Sinek is certainly a great thought leader, just a leader in general, right? So just appreciate the value. Um, and hopefully uh, you'll feel better and you'll be able to uh, talk a little faster um, <laughs> with the work that you've, you've had done. So just appreciate you plowing. TM, I'm complete. Thanks, TM. I so appreciate you. Hi, Lisa. I see you just came up. How are you? I am amazing. Thank you so much. I am driving, so I'm doing the clubhouse driving thing. And I just had to jump in quickly to tell you that I, I'm going to admit to all my Breakfast with Champions friends, I have never gone back and listened to a segment. Life is so crazy. You know, Breakfast with Champions is running 24-7, LOL. No, it's just so much information. But I am going to go back and listen to you because, Amanda, I am so in love with you and everything you have to say. And you just deserve, like, I know how it works here. Everybody, let's give a shout out to Amanda. And I'm just so glad to share space and be here with you today. So let's do it. Yes! Hey, hey Amanda. Uh, thank you so much, Lisa. That was incredible. I appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you. You are welcome. And I definitely, I need to pick up a couple of books because of you. And we'll definitely DM and keep in touch. And thank you so much. My pleasure. And yeah. I was taking notes driving, just so you know. But Oh, no, be safe. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Lisa. I appreciate you. And here's the deal. Maybe you don't have a big organization. Maybe you don't have an organization at all. Maybe you're an employee of an organization. And, and I want you to hear this because this is another thing that Simon says. And I'm a firm believer that when I hear someone speak about something, like I just, if I want to do something at a higher level, I go find someone who's doing it at that level and I study what they do. And if it's great and it works for my world, there's no need to change it. So I don't need to go recreate it or make my own any of it. I will just sing Simon's praises and I will deliver his message and I'm okay with that. I don't need to have my own because he's got a cause, a cause so just that I'm bought into. So now I can take that back to me and my organization and my company. And let me be clear, I only launched my new company this year. So it's me. I own it and I'm the talent and I'm the leverage and I'm all of those things. So right now it's just me. Yet I can make my world better as I continue to build it because I am bought into his just cause and his just cause affects my world. And while I have my own mission and my own vision, they are in alignment with what his just cause is. So mate, you don't have to go create this organization and have this massive just cause and figure out what that is. Go find someone who has one that you align with and borrow theirs or, or literally borrow theirs in the beginning. And then as you start to build your world and your organization, it, because you're in alignment with that person, you start to develop your own yet. You don't have to have your own from the beginning. So maybe you're not somebody who has a business and you are just an employee of an organization. And you're like, you know what? I absolutely love the work I do. And yet I may not love the environment in which I do it. Or I may not love the vision or the mission of the organization. That doesn't mean you have to go quit tomorrow. That means you can, in fact, affect change if you would like to. Anybody can within an organization. 
How do you do that? You start with the person to your left and you start with the person to your right. And I know there are people that we hear from day in and day out who are like, you know what, Amanda, I'm in that position. And I absolutely would love to see it get better. And I just don't feel like I have the voice. Or maybe I do muster up the courage and I just don't feel like I'm being heard. You Just because you go one time doesn't mean everybody's going to listen to you. You might get shot down a few times. Yet here's what I can promise you. If you're that passionate about what it is that you're doing, and you are that committed to affecting change in your world, in your organization, then start with the person to your left and start with the person to your right. Because that's actually where the change takes off. It's those people. They see you doing something. They see you approaching something in a certain way. They see you handling something in a certain way. And they go, wow, I want to do that too. And then they start doing it. And before you know it, you start to see this ripple effect. So you can be that change. Just know that. Anybody else, would you like to unmic and share? Any feedback? Anything? Maybe you want to tell me a joke. That would be great too. We've got about 10 minutes left here before I believe I pass it on to my dear brother TM. And yet I would love to hear from any more. You know, I don't think I'm I'm not up next. Oh, it's not you. I apologize. It's Rachel. That's who it was. I had to look at the schedule for a moment. So like, anybody... I'll take it, but uh, you know, I don't want to take someone's <laughs> spot now. <laughs> no, it's Rachel. That was that was my apologies. Anyone else? So Amanda, it's Lisa Sky again. I just wanted to jump back in and tell you that um, first off, if you do look at my bio, the first thing says you're five attraction tribe, and I am one of those people who definitely, because of my experiences and just the way I think I was born, I have to live with passion. I'm so full of passion. And Reckless with Champions, again, I just have to praise it. I wish Glenn was on this call. You know, I went down to the event in New York City and I helped Renee. I know Renee might be on this call right now and I see Kimberly down right below you. And it was the best experience. And I am just all full of extra amazing energy because of this room, because of the people in it. And I just, I want to be that person to add value to everyone's life. And I joke around, I say, I like to leave a little sparkle wherever I go. And, you know, again, just sharing space and being here with you today has affected me beyond. I'm just so happy and wanted to jump in. And you said so many things that Again, I wrote it down and I'm going to reread it and I'm going to share it with people and I'm going to do exactly what we're all supposed to do. Share the knowledge, share the information, and I don't mean to be corny, but share the love. So thank you so much. No, that's exactly it. I appreciate that. And then go back and audit yourself. You know, a lot of the time we forget to do that. We start on a path or we start, you know, we build a plan to do something and then we get into the action of actually doing it and we haven't put anything really in place to make sure that we're actually getting those little small wins along the way. So I know I mentioned it early on in my segment where I said, 
you know, if you're one of those people that says, yeah, I have an open door policy, like go back and see how many people actually walk through your door. And for those that do walk through your door, what information are they giving you? Is it inspiring? Does it feel like they're coming to you with ideas because they want to collaborate? Are they finding things in the business that they can make better? Or are they coming to you constantly defending something that just happened? Well, you know, Lisa, I just got off the phone with a customer and I felt like I had to come tell you that this is how the conversation went. And I just want you to know, I did everything that I was supposed to do. Is that the kind of stuff you're getting? Or I just want to let you know that I did X, Y, and Z and John wasn't too happy with that. So I just had to come tell you what I did first. If it's those types of things, well, then those are reasons for you to ask questions in your environment. Why does someone feel that they need to come to me and defend themselves, but then I don't hear from anyone who's got new inspiring ideas or who's who's working day in and day out doing the same job and they're not finding better ways to do it? I'm sure they are. They're just not sharing them with you. Why is that? Why, why, why? So these go back and audit yourself. And if you look at the data, I guarantee you, it will cause you to ask questions, ask questions in your business and find out if that's really the environment that you are creating. So with that, I will do one last call for anybody else who wants to add any feedback or ask a question. I hear someone unmiking. Who is that? Yeah, it, it's, it's me, uh, Triple J. Hi, Triple J. Good to see you. <laughs> How are you doing, my friend? I'm fantastic. Um, Mouth's a little you know, sore, but I'm fantastic. <laughs> hey, I got braces too, so I totally understand what you're talking about when they first get in, and man, it takes a little minute, <laughs> but it's going to be okay. Uh, listen, I don't have an organization or you know, anything big like that, but I was applying what you were saying towards, uh, I, le I lead a group at my church on our uh, social media and media ministry, you know, live streaming and all that stuff. I lead a team and I tried to apply what you were saying to that because I was like, you know, what she's saying is good. I mean, I don't have an organization that I'm running, but I, I do have a department that I'm running at my church. So I was kind of just soaking that in. I just want to tell you, um, you did a great job and uh, some things when it hit me, I kind of wrote them down. So I said, well, let me apply some of this in my meeting. I'm going to have Sunday morning, um, you know, but uh, I, I will say this. Um, I'm just a, um, a guy that found Clubhouse in January, you know, um, and I actually have been on a kind of a lifestyle uh, change, you know what I'm saying, since January. And uh, I changed some things in my health and the way I was eating. And I was able to uh, go, you know, six months and get, you know, my diabetes reversed, you know what I'm saying? And it's opened up so many other things. Now I have people, because of my story, asking me to help so I believe that's going to turn into like a coaching type scenario. So I was listening because just because I'm not doing, you know, the big things now doesn't mean that I won't be doing something in the future. So I was soaking it all in. I just want to uh, tell you that I really appreciate you. I'm in podcast mode because of my nine to five that I have right now. But I value everything that you guys, everyone, you know, all day long has been bringing to the table. Thank you. Oh, you have no idea how much I appreciate you speaking up and saying that. You know, when we think about leadership, again, leadership is not being in charge. 
It's taking care of those in our charge. And that can mean anything. If you are the leader of your household, if you are the leader of your family, if you are the leader of a church group, or a boys and girls club, or some extracurricular, you could be the leader of a team, like a sports team, a hobby, it doesn't matter what you are. You know, it's funny, because here's another thing that Simon says, and I'll say it very quickly before I turn it over to Rachel. You know, you hear sometimes like, oh, you know, you know, Triple J, let me tell you, I just heard you spoke and you are speaking, you are a natural born leader. And there's some truth to that. And then there's not. The truth to that is we are all designed to care for others. We are all designed to support one another, to do what they need us to do in the times that they need us to do it. It's just hardwired in every single one of us. And that really is the true definition of leadership. And yet, not everybody should be a leader and not everybody wants to be a leader. So while we're born with that hardwired in us, it doesn't mean that all of us are. It's not a designation. It's a choice first and foremost. And then when you create those trusting teams that I talked about, that Simon talks about, you create those trusting teams. And guess what? They then choose for you to continue to be their leader. Because they know no matter what, you're going to make decisions in the best interest of them. And they know that you are willing to stand on the front line and go to bat for any single one of them. And like I said, that could be your family, that could be your household, that could be your church group, or it could be a big organization. The whole point here is you get to choose. And once you choose and you start doing those things, then the people in your world will continue to choose you as their leader because they know that you're going to have their back. They know you're going to do whatever it takes. And they know that you're going to care for them because they are in your charge. Thank you for joining us on Breakfast with Champions. If you want to catch the live version, you can follow us on Clubhouse and listen from 5 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time, Monday through Friday, Saturday 6 to noon, and Sundays with our 111 Sunday service. Make sure you're keeping up with Breakfast with Champions and getting yourself a seat at the table.